So that is a clip from the Black Panther. And I want to give a quick shout out to, to Pastor Jason. I gave him that clip. That clip was originally like nearly five minutes long, and he condensed that into like a minute and a half. So that's some talent right there. Uh, so shout out to Pastor Jason for that. But this is a scene from the movie Black Panther. And so Prince T'Challa has been challenged for the throne and the title of king by M'Baku. And so whoever holds the mantle of king runs the country. They hold the power. Whoever is king, they sit on the throne. And so T'Challa finds himself in a battle, a very violent, intense, passionate battle to become king. Because whoever's, on, whoever's king sits on the throne and runs the country. And so there is a battle going on inside of you. One you may not even know is going on. And it's the battle for your heart. Which is just as intense and passionate as that. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Because from it, everything flows. Whoever sits on the throne of your heart has control of the kingdom. Whoever sits on the throne of your heart is who or what you worship. And there is a constant battle going on for your heart. And we're going to talk about it this morning. So we are currently in week two of our sermon series through the book of Isaiah called Isaiah for Today. And we're going to spend the next 10 months going through the writings of the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah was an 8th century Hebrew prophet, and he lived in the latter half of Israel's kingdom period. Uh, he spoke on behalf of God to the leaders of Jerusalem and Judah. And he warned them if they continue down the path they're going, if they persist in their wicked ways, God will judge them. And he is going to use the kingdoms of Assyria and Babylon to do that. So in order to better study Isaiah, we, and by we I mean Pastor Matt, we have broken down the book into quite a few sub-series, starting with Judah's sins. Judah, like us, was a people who struggled with many things, immorality, false religions, pagan worship, injustice, and idolatry, which is the topic of today's message called Watch the Throne. Look at your neighbor and say, watch the throne. Look back at him and say, quit talking to me. I'm trying to pay attention. J. Alec Motyer wrote in his commentary on Isaiah called The Prophecy of Isaiah that a major theme of this book is this, the king who reigns in Zion. The tension comes because sometimes the king reigning is God, but most of the time it's not. So let's begin our reading today in Isaiah 44, excuse me, chapter 44, verses 6 through 23. If you don't have a Bible, no sweat, the words will be on the screen. This is a long passage. I tried to find ways to break this down. I could not. I'm not that smart. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the whole thing together, all right? You're going to follow along with me. We're going to get through this. Amen. We can read God's word together. All right, starting in verse 6, Isaiah 44. It says, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God who is like me. Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it and set it before me. Since I appointed an ancient people, let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, 
nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a God or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool, and he works it over the coals. He fashions it with a hammer, and he works it with a strong arm. He becomes hungry, and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The carpenter stretches out a line. He marks it with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak, and he lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar, and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes part of it, listen here, warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it into an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burned on the fire. Over the other half eats meat. He roasts it and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm. I've seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes it into a god, his idol, and falls down to it. And he worships and prays, Deliver me, for you are my god. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see in their hearts, so they cannot understand. No one considers this, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, Half of it I burned in the fire. I also baked bread on its coals. I roasted meat and have eaten. And shall I make the rest of it into an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray. And he cannot deliver himself or say, Is there not a lie in my right hand? Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servants. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. Wow. Now that is a lot to take in. So I want to break this down for you guys a little bit. Isaiah is painting a picture of the absolute absurdity of idol worship, of worshiping a block of wood in comparison to the glory and majesty and beauty and power of God. And so what this guy does is he, he goes and he plants a tree. And the rain nourishes it and it grows big and strong. And over here, he's like, I'm hungry. So he makes a fire, he makes some bread, he roasts some, says some meat, he's satisfied, he's having a good dinner. And then he goes over here and he makes a fire and he warms himself because he's cold. And then he's like, hmm, what am I going to do with the rest of it? And he makes it into an idol. He shapes it into a man and then he falls down and worships it. And he says, deliver me, for you are my God. And then God speaks. And he says, remember who you are. It's a Lion King joke. 
Some of y'all got it. Some of y'all get it later. He says, remember these things. I formed you. You are my servants. And then he smites them all. No, he doesn't do that. Instead, he says, I will not forget you. I will blot out your transgressions and sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Amen. Come on, give that an amen right there. That's good. There's so much to unpack here. A common theme of Isaiah is idolatry. Isaiah 2.8 says this, their land is filled with idols. They bow down to the work of their hands, to what their fingers have made. Isaiah 42.17 says they are turned back and utterly put to shame who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. Many of you, if you're like me, are thinking these Israelites are just dumb. Like, what the heck? They have this God who loves them and has cared for them and has made a covenant with them and is going to forgive them. And he's already telling them, I'm going to forgive you even though you haven't repented yet. And yet they want to make false gods and false images. They're crazy. Or you're thinking, this has nothing to do with us. We don't make golden calves anymore. Last I checked, I didn't go cut down a tree and then shape it into the, the, the shape of a man and then fall down and worship it. You're thinking this may not be relevant at all. When in fact, this is so relevant and you actually do this every single day. We all do. The first commandment that God gave his people was you shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment, the first thing he says. I think the reason he put this first is because he knows how prone we are to having deluded hearts. He knows how prone we are to putting anything else first. And we have just as many false gods and idols than Judah. In fact, we probably have more than them. It's not golden calves anymore. Rather, it's money, it's power, it's porn, it's the St. Louis Cardinals, it's Alabama Crimson Tide, it's Beyonce, it's your family, it's your career, it's your comfort, it's your goals, it's your boyfriend, it's your girlfriend, it's your smartphone, it's your school, it's your political affiliation. Come on, somebody. Got real quiet up in here. It's Trump, it's Biden. These are the things that sit on the throne of our hearts. These are the things battling for the throne of your heart. We have to watch the throne. Like, I, like Isaiah, the theme of our life could be said to be the king who reigns in us. And maybe sometimes it's God, but I would venture to say, like the people of Judah, the majority of the time it is not. And it is probably something as absurd as a block of wood that has no power to save you, no power to deliver you or to provide for you. These are the things that sit on the throne of our heart. And whatever or whoever sits on the throne of our heart is who you worship. That is who you magnify. So my question for you this morning, Rooftop Church, who is on the throne of your heart? Is it the king or is it his creation? What I mean by that is we tend to worship not God, but the things he gives us. We like the blessings of God. We like the talent he gives us. We like the gifts he gives us. We like the spouse he gives us. We like the family that he gives us. We like the job he gives us. We like the money he gives us. We like the car he gives us. And we like that so much that most often the time we put that ahead of him. We worship the blessings instead of the blesser. When we put anything 
on the throne of our hearts other than God. That is idol worship. That is idolatry. Is Christ magnified in your life or is it something else? If we look in the passage, it says, a deluded heart has led this man astray. What caused the man in Isaiah to build this idol was a deluded heart. He makes this idol and falls down to worship it because his heart was deluded. Earlier, we read Proverbs 4.23, and it said, above all, guard your heart, because from it, everything flows. This man's heart was deluded, and it led him to putting his hope and his trust in something that had no real power to deliver him or save him. And this is very much like us today. Our hearts get deluded and we put our hope and our trust in things that have no power to change us or deliver us. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death what is earthly in you. It says sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And Paul tells us that in order to live fully devoted, Christ-centered lives, in order to make Christ preeminent in our lives, in order to put the real king on the throne, King Jesus, we have to put to death the spirit of idolatry that is in our hearts. So how do we do this? How do we put to death these idols? Number one, recognize. Number two, repent. Number three, revere. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Number one, recognize, recognize your idols. I think when Paul listed these things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, they can be categorized into four idols that we need to take off the throne and put to death in our hearts. Yeah, this sermon not only has points, it's got sub points. Come on. So this is point one A right here. So these are the idols we need to put to death this morning, church. Number one, A, possessions. I'm just going to preach right here for a minute. Many of y'all like your stuff way too much. Your cars, your house, your clothes, your stuff. You worship stuff, plain and simple. God is not on the throne of your heart. Your stuff is, your car is, your house is, your yard is. You don't possess your possessions, they possess you. Money is your God. Believe me, I know the struggle. I'm embarrassed to tell you how much this outfit costs this morning. Be honest. No, I'm not. Talk to me afterwards. And I'm not saying having nice things is inherently evil, but when you are willing to drop $300 on some sneakers or drop a nice chunk of change on some clothes or some jewelry or a Netflix or Disney Plus subscription, but then you can only drop a couple bucks in the offering box in the back on a Sunday morning... That's a problem. There's a battle for control of your heart. The Bible says no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted one and despise the other. Man cannot serve God in money. Matthew 6, 24. And when you shortchange God in order to satisfy your temporary, momentary satisfaction for wanting stuff, you've just made the choice of who is on the throne of your heart. And it isn't God. Number two, excuse me, no, that's point B, sorry, power. Recently, I took a, an assessment in seminary, and it's a, a kind of a personality or ministry assessment, and it assesses spiritual gifts and things like that, and one of them is a life value assessment. It was 140 questions, and at the end of it, it tells you, it kind of generates, okay, here are your top life values, 
Here's what gets you up in the morning. Here's what motivates you. Here's what drives you. And so I finished this test and I'm thinking, of course, it's going to be service to the poor. You're just so servant hearted. You just love your neighbor so much. It wasn't. My number one life value was ambition, achievement. And my professor said that in eight years of doing this, he has never had one single student have as their number one thing, ambition or achievement. And I have to be honest, I'm embarrassed to share that with you. But because what it told me about myself is that my passion has become my idol. What gets me up in the morning is not to do the Lord's work. It's not to make his name great. Too often times it's to make my own name great. And just like that, I put my ambition on the throne of my heart. I look to something that has no power to save me, change me, or provide for me. And like him, it deludes my heart and it affects my behavior. I worship my ambition. I worship passion. I worship the idea of being successful. And then I find it hard to connect with God and worship him. But you can't worship what is not on the throne. C, politics. Next point, politics. Got real quiet. Heard a pen drop in the back somewhere. For many of y'all this morning, the lion and the lamb is not on the throne of your heart. It's the donkey and the elephant. And I'm friends with many of you on Facebook and Instagram. And from your posts, sometimes it's easier to see where your political allegiance is a lie than it is to see the Jesus that we all claim to follow. Your hope is found in Biden or Trump, not Jesus. And politics isn't bad. Voting is important. But if the people in your life have no idea you're a follower of Jesus, but know very clearly and very distinctly whether or not you are a follower of Trump or Biden, that is a problem. The world is broken, and it is very evident these days. And is your hope found in Jesus, or is your hope found in a political candidate? Who is on the throne of your heart? And my last subpoint is pleasure. And this is a tough one right here. For many of y'all, pleasure is your idol. For many of us, our hope, our trust, our joy is found in seeking pleasure. It's found in, we'll say for the sake of some of the children in this room, relations. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Many of you, you worship your significant other. Many of you, you have replaced God's way, taken him off the throne and engaged in these certain relations outside of marriage. And you don't want to quit. You don't want to stop. You want to keep worshiping the idol of sexual immorality. You keep watching those videos on your phone late at night thinking nobody sees it. He does. You keep engaging in these relations outside of the designated guidelines that God has given us. Put that to death this morning. I'm not here to shame you because there is deliverance and hope found in Jesus. So if your hope is found in pleasure seeking to deliver you or to give you joy, it's not only King Jesus belongs on that throne this morning, church. Believe me, I have made that mistake so many times in my own life for so many years. What I did was put lust on the throne of my heart. And all it did was lead to brokenness and hurt and not just in my own life, but in the lives of other people. And I was empty. It does not satisfy and maybe it's not just that kind of pleasure that we idolize. 
We get real personal here this morning. How many of y'all raised your hands during worship? Only a few. Most of us just stand there with our hands in our pockets. We don't worship. But if you were at a concert, if you were at the club, if you were at a football game, you'd be dancing, singing, going crazy, hands in the air. Let me tell you something. Drake, Cardi B, Post Malone did not save your soul, and they cannot deliver you. Yet we sing their music and buy their tickets, but we stand silently in church. You don't worship God because he isn't on the throne. And you can't worship what isn't reigning in your heart. Whoever is on the throne, whoever is king in your life, that is who you worship. So now we're on point two. Repent. First, recognize your idols. Number two, repent of your idol worship. Let's revisit our passage in Isaiah. It says in verse 21, Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servants. I formed you. You are my servants. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, O depths of the earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains, O forests, and every tree in it. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and will be glorified in Israel. He says, return to me, for I have redeemed you. The definition of redemption is this, the action of being saved from sin, error, or evil. The action of regaining possession of something in exchange for payment or clearing a debt. Come on, somebody. That's good news this morning because the one true God is our deliverer and he was absolutely willing to battle for you. He was absolutely willing to battle for your heart. He was willing to enter into humanity, take on flesh and bone to redeem you, to save you, to deliver you. We must repent of the idols that we serve. Idol worship is killing your soul this morning, church. It is bad for us. We were created to worship God, to know him, to have a relationship with him. When we put false gods on the throne, we are only hurting ourselves. God does not need us to worship him to stroke his ego, but God commands us to worship him and him alone because he, as our creator, as our designer, knows what's best for us. He knows that none of the things of this world, none of the idols that we create can save us, redeem us, or deliver us. Only he can do that this morning. So if you're worship, worshiping idols, repent of that. God tells us in this passage that he will blot out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. That is good news for somebody in here this morning. Number three, got recognize, repent. And number three, revere God alone. Let's revisit this passage in Isaiah. We're going to start at verse six. And it says, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first. I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare it and set it before me, since I appointed an ancient people. Let them declare what is to come and what will happen. Fear not, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it, and you are my witnesses? Is there a God besides me? There is no rock. I know not any. He says, there is no God but God. I am the first. I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. There is no rock. I know not any. That's some fighting words right there. 
He's willing to go to battle for your heart this morning because God created us and designed us and he knows what's best for us and it's to worship him alone. If we worship money and greed, we will never be satisfied. Proverbs eleven twenty four says this, one gives freely yet grows richer, another withholds what he should give and he only suffers want. If we worship power and achievement, the Bible warns pride comes before destruction. If we worship pleasure this morning, Proverbs 28 tells us, he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. And if we worship politics, the Bible tells us clearly in Psalms 146, do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men, they cannot save you. All of the things of this world cannot save, they cannot satisfy. But Psalms 107 tells us, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. God alone is good and worthy to be worshiped and praised. And that is how he wired us. That is how we were created. So we must smash our idols as Deuteronomy says. We must put to death the spirit of idolatry. If your God is pleasure, I'm gonna challenge y'all this morning. If your God is pleasure, throw out your TV. Unplug the cable. Cancel that streaming service subscription that you got. Give away some of your stuff. If money is your God, write a big fat check this morning to the church or to a charitable organization. If power is your God, wash someone's feet. Go find someone to serve. If politics is your God, Lord help you. Turn off the TV. Get off social media. Lord help us. Put God on the throne of your heart. Believe me, I know this is hard to hear because it is so hard to say. The process of writing the sermon was very difficult because it revealed all of the idols that I worship on a daily basis. And I don't want you to feel crushed by the words of Isaiah, but I want you to feel the weight. Our hearts are so prone to being deluded, we must guard our hearts above all else. We must put to death the spirit of idolatry in our hearts, and we must put King Jesus in his rightful place in our lives as the king of our hearts. We must smash our idols this morning. So whatever it is for you this morning, don't waste another day worshiping a false god. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for your grace and for your love and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your word that you've given us. And Lord, I ask that you would give us the boldness and the courage to smash our idols this morning, to put to death that spirit of idolatry, open up our eyes so that we can recognize the idols that we don't even know that we're worshiping. Whether that's money, whether that's power, whether that's sex, whatever it is, Lord, allow us to smash that idol. Make it abundantly clear, Lord, that those things have no power to redeem us, to save us, to give us joy, to, to fulfill us. But all of that only comes from you. You are our savior. You are our provider. You are our deliverer. Lord, allow us the courage, the boldness, the strength to smash those idols and to put you back on your rightful place as the king of our hearts and the king of our lives. Amen. Amen.